Um, but yeah, human touch. I really wish that we had an, a, an acceptable, non-sexual way of feeding this to each other. Because it's, it's true. It's something we... We do live in a pretty sanitized culture mm-hmm. where, um, and this is one thing I will say that women, we can usually touch each other a little bit more with more social acceptance. Mm-hmm. With men, that's almost non existent. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, yep. Yeah, it's pretty much you have to be in a relationship preferably a heterosexual one and that is how you get your needs met um we turned out fine so this actually did not come up at all it's just been thinking it but i actually went to a book event tonight um we're here in houston um so we're podcasting together for the first time in a while um, I came in because Nadia Boltz-Weber's book tour landed here in Houston instead of Austin where I am. And so I bought a ticket and just came over for the day to um, go hear her talk and get my book signed. Mm-hmm. And I just finished reading um, her book Shameless, which came out um, last month. And it is a rethinking um, of sexual culture in the church and so I did want to talk a little bit about that book mm-hmm. and a little bit just about uh, the book tour tonight and um, it's some good stuff y'all. Yeah I heard a little bit of it and it, it sounded like really good stuff. Yeah. I was looking something up though um, so if I, can, if I can just touch back real quick because I mean this is relevant because that was your segue into this but to um, to bring up a point about exactly what you were saying about how heterosexual males um, or males in general that like any sort of physical contact um, beyond a certain extent is perceived as homosexual or just like not masculine or whatever it um, immediately made me think of um, when was it sometime last year um, at the Atlanta what is it yeah the Atlanta Braves um, and the LA Dodgers, there was a game, which, yeah, I guess these are the Braves. Um, so two players, Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuna, um, they were hugging, and so, like, Acuna is kind of, like, he's kind of, like, hugging the torso. He's got his head, like, just against uh, Albies' like, chest, and, and Albies is kind of, like, stroking his head, just, like, really comforting him, like, soothing him. And there was a, um, I think it was a sportscaster or newscaster or, or social media pundit or fucking somebody, I forget, but, um, someone kind of, like, um, initially, or I think that, yeah, it was the actual, like, newscasters who were, who were, like, commentating on the game, and they were commentating as they were seeing that, and they were saying, I forget what was said exactly, but it was things like, oh, what's going on there? You know, like, just really kind of insensitive and jumping to some conclusions. And then, come to find out, Akuna's um, mother had just passed away during the game. And Jeez. he had just gotten the news. So, naturally, Albies was being a very, very decent human being and a very good friend and showing him comfort um, in, in such a really, like, wonderful, compassionate way. Mm. You know, just, like hugging on him and like being you know stroking his head like that like that's literal like those are soothing actions and that's beautiful and you can like there's an instagram post so you can see like the the clip of it it's a really like beautiful moment i almost wish that it hadn't been captured on social media yeah (laughs) and there's so many people to comment on exactly you know because it's 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 a very sacred thing yeah i feel i think touch is very sacred and Mm. like that's love that's that's intimacy between those two friends because you have to have like vulnerability for for akuna to be able to just like you know just um just cry and and just let you know just like allow himself to to feel all the emotion of what he's feeling in that moment Mm. 
and his friend holding space for him for that, you know? There's so much vulnerability there. And that's that's intimacy. And that is beautiful, like, platonic intimacy between two, uh, presumably, heterosexual, I don't know. Um, it's beautiful. And yeah. I wish that, yeah, I wish that we were better able to appreciate and embrace that more often. I think that actually is a great segue into this because Shameless is talking about sex and such sex culture within the church mm-hmm. and um i actually do think that's important because we kind of have conflated we we've kind of conflated intimacy and put up so many hedges put up so many barriers yeah. around around intimacy yeah um, tried to put it in a box. It, yeah, exactly. It's trying to say it's only a, allowed in these certain parameters. Mm-hmm. It just and and obviously the example you gave is takes place within a larger social structure. Um, just we live in a Western society where men don't touch each other, and you know if they do, it's like a quick bro hug. Mm-hmm. You know. But or think, it's or a handshake. Like, there's or, lots of patting or slapping. It's a patting. Involved. So it's or it's like a slapping, whether it's like slapping back or slapping yeah. you know, buttocks in sports or whatever. It's just it's just, you know It's it's more one, it's like percussive. It doesn't it's not an intimate you're, thing. You're not keeping contact for, for that long. Exactly. And therefore it's also not like that necessarily gentle. Yeah. Not to criti- criticize. These are simply observations. Observations. But I do want to, to move compare. into yes. uh, talking about Shameless. And I took some notes during yeah. the book tour tonight. And I took my book with me. Got it signed. Um, and I actually, surprise, surprise, bought one for you. Oh! You. And got her to sign it. Oh, this is so exciting. I know. So you can have your own copy. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm so excited to read this. I know. I think you're actually going to really enjoy it because, I, um, and I'll just say what this book is and what book this book is not. First of all, if you're interested, please, please uh, check out Nadia Boltz-Weber. Um, her website, um, you can buy, I bought, I pre-ordered my copy on Amazon, but I'm sure you can find it at, you know, any major book retailers that you look. And so she starts off, um, when she read tonight from the introduction, the invocation and, um, tells about an invocation yeah she in it starts with an invocation and ends with a benediction like this lady is a so liturgical it is it's very liturgical she's like super lutheran you know (laughs) obviously she you know is a pastor in the uh evangelical lutheran church in america and um, starts talking about uh, why this book came to be and what it is and what it is not. And um, and I think that's important to know before you go into this because if you're looking for a biblical critique on sex teachings, it's like, okay, this is not that. And it's really her interacting with her parishioners, telling her own story but also the stories of people who allowed her to, you know, uh, take take their stories and publish them and give give them a voice? Um, it's really talking about the people that she works with, and she draws on this illusion of this illustration, I should say, of crop circle, crop circles, <laughs> and um, being up in an airplane, looking down and seeing, like, okay, I looked at it's like these fields are clearly square. Why are the crops growing in circles? Well, the crops weren't planted in circles, but they are watered in circles because they're on a center pivot watering, like a center pivot irrigation. So imagine like opening up an umbrella Mm -hmm. and then spinning that Mm -hmm. umbrella around. Mm-hmm. Kind of like singing in the rain. That rain's falling and the water's falling. I'm seeing it. You, you just get that cascade of water coming down. And 
you know, just imagine it all rain instead of umbrellas. And so that's how the crops grow because the majority of the water is distributed within that circle. And even, so even if you have crops in the corners, it's not really getting to that because this is how the watering system is set up. And so she was talking to uh, one of her parishioners and about, about sex and about sex culture in the church. And she was remarking that, you know, she was remarking that, yeah, some people probably do fit in this circle, this circle of heterosexual, Christian, wait until marriage, met the right person, all these good things that we hope for. And it's, it's all part of this package that we're kind of presented with, mostly in youth group, we're presented with this this is how it works thing. Almost like this prescription mm. that you take, that you take with you. It's like, okay, don't wait. Or, uh, okay, wait until marriage, read your Bible, meet a nice Christian boy or a nice Christian girl, and then go cash in your prescription and you'll have a happy marriage. Mm-hmm. And I think we all would be like, that would be wonderful. If, that, if it is really that simple, then great. But the more she looked at it, the more she saw, oh, that circle is about as big as a dime. Yeah. The people who really fit into that, if we're, if we're, you know, including all the factors that go into it, not masturbating or looking at porn, if you're, you know, being happy in your marriage because you've married the one and they're a Christian and you're having Christian babies and Mm. all these things that you're supposed to do and... Um, you know, how many people that excludes because yeah. it's not just that it excludes, it does, it excludes people uh, LGBTQ or uh, non- non-binary, yeah. um, asexual, but it also excludes people who are divorced, people who um, have been sexually assaulted, yeah, people who have and, uh, yeah. complicated relationships with sex. And so she really talks, she talked about like that, she's really coming from a personal yeah. anecdotal point of view. Because it complicates, it complicates it for everyone also who like can't, you know, has the opportunity to have sex and then, you know, chooses to because yeah. hormones and because duh. Decisions. <laughs> Pretty much it's like because duh. Yeah. Um, because yeah. people have had people have been having sex. Yeah, because sex is a thing. Oh, and sex hormones, is a thing, and it's a good thing. And like, yeah, again, like that whole like waiting. You know, this is this is coming from a very sort of Christian, um, because that's where the book is written from. Is yeah, she's a, she's a she's a pastor. So it's all like yeah. okay, if we're talking about it within this Christian kind of thing, exactly. So the question that you know she broached to the people with herself and with these people is what messages did you receive from the church and how did it affect you? Mm. And so we get accounts from, um, we get accounts from a straight married couple who did the right thing. Quote unquote. Quote unquote. Did the, did, did it how they should ought to do it. Waited until marriage and then come to find out when they got married, they couldn't just flip a switch mm-hmm. and oh, figure out all intimacy. of their issues. Yeah, intimacy oh, issues. Sex. Why is it not good? <laughs> yeah. And, and then she also interacts with people who have left the church or have been on the um, have been outliers because they are LGBTQ. Um, and she goes into her own story. She shares about. Um, having had an abortion in her 20s and going public with that. And um, it's, I mean, it's such a loaded thing, but it's so, yeah. pr- it's like, you you really do have to kind of put a face to that. I really love that she's open about that. I do too. Because she's a pastor. I know, and that pastors don't is, get abortion. <laughs> that is amazing. It, it is groundbreaking. It is. She is and so groundbreaking. Um, and I feel so much compassion for that. I remember I had a good friend in my small group a few years ago 
we had a great girls weekend at this retreat. And I just remember we hung out with each other for the entire two days. And she talked to, and uh, one of the friends in this group, you know, talked about having to get an abortion when she was 17 or 18 because she was in an abusive relationship with her first boyfriend, was about to go to college, and she was like, I, this, this was, it was a terrible choice to have, have to make, mm. but she also knew this is also the only option. Oh, yeah. And it's really, uh, it, I'm going to put a pin right here. We're not going to talk too much about this, but I do want to just say this is a very loaded topic for us. We're going to get into this a little bit more later, not on this particular podcast. Because it's a whole, there's so much to unpack. There is so much we, to unpack. When we're ready to do that, we're going to do it justice. Exactly. And that's going to be a little later because there's a lot more research that we both want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and just opinions that we need to keep balanced. Mm-hmm. We need to keep people in consideration because this is a very close issue to us and to our family. That being said, um, yeah, it's it, it's one thing to talk about abortion as this thing that happens. It's another to listen to the stories of women who have had to make that decision mm-hmm. and know what they had to go through, mm-hmm. what's going through them. Yeah. And why they felt like they had no other option. And mm-hmm. that being, bringing a baby to term and giving it, giving it up for adoption, even though that sounds like a wonderful thing, why that sometimes isn't an option mm-hmm. for women. Um, I hope we can talk about that more at a later time. Yeah. Definitely. But that's not because that's not what this book is about in totality. It's it's really ta- dealing with the messages that she received. So, um, I the my favorite part of this book by far was the first. Oh, it was probably the um, a couple chapters in. I'm gonna say this is chapter two. Yeah. All right. Chapter two is really where she goes into her story, starts into her story and her history of the messages that she received growing up in church. And she says in the early 80s that she uh, would go to Christian charm school. (laughs) And for those of you who haven't had the utter privilege (laughs) of looking at the Christian Charm School student manual. Please come. I will post pictures or something. Because I think you, didn't you post it on your I Facebook posted, or your Instagram or something? Yes, but I think people need to know. Oh yeah, we'll just send it to and we'll put it on the. We're gonna put it this we'll put in it the show on the notes. podcast Instagram. Um, I don't think we can put it in the. the I don't, notes, I don't even know how it'll much be I on can our Instagram post up, but we'll put if it you on have Facebook not had. The pleasure of looking at this. <laughs> so, it is so backward. And so, my, so. I remember it. Our mom gave this to me. I want to say it was about 11, maybe 12 at the time. And so, I guess as you're, you know, as an 11 and or 12 year old girl going through all the new preteen things. I think my mom was like, all right, what do I have to give you as far as guidance goes? And she's like, well, here, I have this book. And I'm trying to remember what her feelings were about it. I don't really remember. All I know is that I looked at this and basically saw, I was like, this book does not want you to be an individual or have any personality whatsoever. I thought it was, and I, it, it, the book in itself is a is pretty outdated. It shows you how to do pin curls. It oh, tells I you think... to like talc your. <coughs> could have used that when I was talc in your shoes. Theater. Yeah. <laughs> um. Basically, it talks about and it talks about. Um, I don't remember it, all that. 
it's really uh, this the tr the Christian Charm School course is basically a combination Bible study slash etiquette, mm. like old school, <laughs> like stand up straight, don't eat too much, do your exercises, um, but also cultivate a quiet spirit. <laughs> <laughs> Also, true joy. It's it's basically they mix some Bible study in with it. Also, like the good girls are all chaste and they all have their joy because they're saved. Um, Happy girls are the prettiest. It's it's true. And so it's really kind of com it's and this, quiet girls are the happiest. It's this <laughs> like toxic combination of patriarchy. Yeah. In its worst form, mm -hmm. um, it, it, and it's just mind-boggling because the, what I hate is that you've got Bible verses thrown on top of this etiquette course. That's really oh. what it is. It's like, it's like church-sanctioned. I'm getting patriarchy. Like, no, okay. the student manual is way better. Um, we've got femininity, my crowning glory, honor, self-control, virtue, a demure, man, uh, a demure manner, chastity, modesty. <sighs> but, you know, if you want useful tips on how to use curlers mm. in your hair, yeah. um, creating I just remember beauty with your hair... <laughs> No, I mean practical tips. Yeah. I know it's practical tips. I just remember look, all the diagrams. Look, we've got this is like honestly, and this yeah, book is also thing. super like, white. I remember that like the face shapes. The face shapes. Because I don't, I don't know that I was like reading that much when I like when I was given this. I don't remember, but I, I just don't think I actually read it that much. I think I just like looked at the pictures a lot, and I remember all those. I like this. And yeah, it's like there's not, there's not like. Um, African hairstyles shown. No, like, there's really like coarse two women hair. of color. Yes. And they don't have like natural textured hair, do they? No, they do. They do? They do. Yay! Um, I, I saw, there's a thing here. That's... I love it. Here's what Nadia, she... Ha! What'd she say? This is bullshit! That's on great. On the how fem... There's a, there's a checklist here. You can check how <laughs> feminine and am I... And you see the other one? Yeah. There you oh go. yeah, look, because on one, on the left, <laughs> the caption says, no, she's not a boy. There's a little quote bubble that appears to be an angry cuss word because it's XXX and then two exclamation points and a random asterisk. <laughs> the hair is this very lovely, attractive 80s, like shaggy kind of boy cut. Like a, almost asymmetrical a little bit. She's rocking it. Yeah. Her eyebrows look fierce as fuck. She's got this. She's standing really tall and she's got a very wide open, confident stance. Her hands are in her pockets. She's wearing like... A jacket, like a sporty looking jacket with big shoulders. She's got like a sports bag on a shoulder. And then she's wearing some like just straight leg kind of jeans. That, that like her, her outfit's just very sort of androgynous, but she's fucking rocking it. Yeah. Some sneakers. And she looks so, she looks happy and confident and like super fucking cool. Um, and the quote, the quote says, no, she's not a boy. She's just hidden her feminine qualities. And on the other side is a girl who's looking away. But does not look happy. I mean, neither of them look happy, to be honest. But she's wearing a dress, and her hands are just down by her sides, and then her, her like, one foot is back, and her heel is raised, and then the other foot is, like, pointed perfectly yeah. straight and forward. It's very sort of ballet -like. I mean, at least she's feminine. That's, that's, that's really what, what this book is, is telling. That's be really feminine. the point of this book, is yeah. how to be feminine. Not actually how to be human, or how to be yourself. Yeah, I've got a thing here... That says, like, before the new birth, because this caught my eye because I remember, like, the faces. So this is, oh, like, yeah. a picture with, like, there's a heart. It's a sad heart. and Yeah, because there's a face in the heart, and its eyebrows and eyes are doing something very concerning. Do you see this? Yes. Its I eyebrows, seen there's something wrong there. That's not okay. But, yeah, it looks very sad, probably because someone broke its fucking eyebrows. Like, it's your brow bones. That's what it looks like. Um, it's, like, a sad heart, and then there's clouds, and it's raining. <laughs> And then it says, before the new birth, 
the Bible can't be true. It doesn't make sense. Why should God call me a sinner when I'm doing the best I can? I've tried to make myself better, but I always fail. I don't see what difference it makes, though. What I do with my life is nobody's business but my own. I can live the way that I want, and the more I get for myself, the happier I'll be. Some, But sometimes a queer, hollow feeling creeps over me, and I feel strangely dissatisfied. No matter how many new thrills I drum up, the excitement eventually wears off, and life mm. seems empty again. I wish I knew what life's all about. I wonder if I could be missing out on something better. I guess I'm one of those... I'm just one of those crazy mixed-up kids. I know. And then there's a bunch of Bible verses... <laughs> And then after the new birth, it's a sunshine, sunshine coming out of the cloud, and then a very happy, smiling heart, and there are, like, sunshine rays. It's just as if someone turned on the lights. Everything looks different. My attitudes have changed completely. Now I see things from God's point of view, not just my own selfish outlook. More than anything else, I want to, pr I want to please the Lord. I thought this would be hard, but I feel a strange new power and strength within me helping me do right. Of course, I sometimes slip into sin, but immediately I ask the Lord to forgive me, and I feel bright and happy again. I've got a real appetite for the Bible now, and surprisingly, it makes beautiful sense. It just... But most surprising of all is this overwhelming feeling of love in my heart. It begins with my love for the Lord, then overflows to everybody. At last, I'm a real person. Notice there's nothing about love for myself in there. Yeah. But at last, I'm a real person. At last, I'm a real person. <laughs> I'm like, a real girl. The Bible makes sense. This I'm like, book will girl, make you into a real girl. That's I went to Bible for. college. Bible still doesn't... I mean, but, come on. I have a degree in this. I still have to like sit there and be like, no, it just does not magically... Let, let me just fix this. Okay, Um, I pulled out the How Can I Look Well-Dressed page. This is what I strongly remember from a young age is the um, illustration on the I must dress with simplicity and look at the girl on the right and the girl on the left and I was like the girl on the right looks way cuter for real because she's got these accessory the, the the caption is you should dress with simplicity and uh -huh. so the left I must dress with simplicity. I must dress with simplicity so the the one who's dressed correctly <laughs> has like a simple blouse and a skirt and that's really it mm -hmm. and this this other girl has all these accessories she's yeah. got it's like earrings. very safe kind of fashion rules because it says don't mix a busy top with a busy bottom don't combine patterns don't wear a pattern top with a pattern bottom so it's all very I like mean, kind of classic that fashion is some rules, of that, but that very some of that safe. is pretty it's it's safe because it's like it's not you're not you're not making like any you're not making new waves you're not creating trends in fashion by doing that yeah, by, well like, this book does not want you oh, to for create sure. trends exactly i mean but yeah that like because is... the, the girl on the right she's got she's got like her little purse first of all and the girl on the left just belt. has her hands behind her back does she even have pockets I don't know. um but no she's got like a necklace she's got more necklaces she's got cute earrings and a bow in her hair yeah, she's got rings on. She's like, got originality. She actually don't... has, dare I say, maybe a personality it's, yeah, that she yeah, wants it's like, to express. They don't want you to be adorned excessively. I of guess course, not. excessive in their excessive in 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 this in their taste in in the taste of the Christian Charm School manual. Um, anyhow, this is um, amazing, and I have had this. Honestly, this copy is probably from the early to mid 80s, and it was given to me, I guess, around 2000. So, this has been in my possession mm. nearly 20 years, and it's one of these. It's when one of these things that I have refused to give up mm -hmm. because I was like, no, people, y'all need to see this to believe it. <laughs> I found the page uh, or the pages that like tell you what to wear and what not to wear based on your body type. So, like, if you're tall, uh, I should not wear very short skirts. Um, or slim one-piece dresses with vertical lines. Or v-necks. Mm -hmm. Or extremely large or extremely small prints. I just have to wear medium-sized prints. <laughs> medium. I shouldn't wear either very short or very long sleeves. I'm gonna take a measuring tape every, every, like, one... every time you go to the store, it's like, well, how long is the sleeve? 
avoid one color effect from so all of these are to so it's like because you're tall you don't want to look even taller because that's the last thing you would ever want to do is apparently sexually which i will absolutely say is my instinct literally because of brainwashing and conditioning such as this because of patriarchy because it every every for such a very long time at least for me personally i definitely got external messages over and over and over again of the fact that I am tall as a female is in and of itself emasculating to men. Therefore, I am bad. Therefore, I should do, never do anything to make myself look even taller. So, and, uh, still, still working on that. Still working. Um, I mean, some of the tips are practical, but I mean, we've all have, I mean, this is one of those things that when you look at the whole of it, you're like, holy shit, how did this, how did we let this kind of take root in and you know and I'll say like you were saying about your height I mean I have struggled with my body with weight loss and one of the great things that actually came up more so tonight in just the talk and discussion was what if we actually loved our bodies and like said I'm ready to be shameless about who I am and you know I have worked hard at losing weight you've worked hard at losing weight you know and both of it is I think there's both for both of us there's like a health reason involved for sure yeah but also it just also helps in general when you're like I feel way better when I fit into clothes Mm. and I like how I look and um where it's we're both on the very complicated journeys of loving of ourselves. loving ourselves and, and loving our bodies. Yeah. Impor- mo- like a huge important component of that. I, I, I turned 30 last year and I gotta tell you, I think I was hoping for this great like revelation to come uh, with turning 30. And I feel like the biggest thing I got out of it was like, um, I'm aging. My body... Mm is feeling the effects in a way that I had never felt before. Like all of a sudden I hit 30 and now I'm like, Oh, this is what aging is. And not that it's, it actually think aging is beautiful. There's some parts about it that I love. I love my gray hairs because in the Bible it says that gray hair in Proverbs, it says gray hair is a crown of wisdom. And so I'm like with every gray hair I get, I'm just like, I'm just getting wiser. Mm -hmm. I, so, and I just love that I have hair with multiple colors and I've never dyed my hair. I love that it, it is what it is on its own, but I wish, but I don't feel that way necessarily about every other part of my body as it exists. Um, so that so that came up I'm going to look at my notes real quick. Yeah, it's really it's really difficult to 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 like be able to look at your body and love everything about it. Yeah. And look at it and and have no no single bad like thing to say about your body, like not criticize a single thing. And and I don't know if that is ever like the goal maybe cuz I don't even know if that's like possible. But definitely, like, you know, making progress in, like, um, you know, how they, I don't know, someone says, or or it's a thing that, like, the first thought you have is the person that you were or the person you have been, and then, like, the second thought you have is the person you're becoming, you know, who you're trying to be and all that, something like that. Mm. Um that, like, you know, when I do have those, like, bad thoughts, like, just those reflexive, because it's so just, like, automatic, you know, at least for me, and I feel like for many females, like, you look in the mirror and it's automatic. I mean, look at Mean Girls. That's why, that's yeah. why it's fucking in the movie. Yeah. It's pointing out, like, ugh, my pores are huge. My nail beds suck. Ugh, my shoulders are, I have man shoulders. At least you guys can wear halters. Something yeah. like that. Um... Yeah, like that's 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 why uh, Tina Fey wrote it in there is to to point out how it's literally like a bonding practice. It is between between females, unfortunately. So I have and that's a pod- why they look at. I have a Katie. podcast recommendation 
Jen Hatmaker's For the Love podcast. Mm. She had an episode with Hillary McBride. <gasps> oh, oh, I think I saved that. It is so good because it talks about exactly that. That we are conditioned mm-hmm. to actually bond over our self-hatred mm-hmm. and that if the opposite is introduced, if self-love is introduced, it actually kind of turns yeah. it, it's kind of rejected yeah. because it's harder to bond over self-love it's easier mm-hmm. to bond over self-hatred yeah absolutely i highly have... recommend that episode snuggle macy she's going, oh, she's macy. going to for snuggles yeah um yeah i have personal kind of like experience with like having close female friends like two two different friends who i was roommates with at, at different times when i was in the navy and they're still friends they're still my friends to this day Um, but, you know, at least at that time, we were, we were, like, two different, these were two different friends, but I was roommates with one of them for, like, a longer time, and then the other for maybe, like, a month or so, and, like, they were both really good friends of mine, and that was, unfortunately, something that we definitely, like, was a bonding practice, was, like, part of our way that we, I think one, the, the one friend, I think that was literally how we became friends, was, like, we met in the bathroom, and, and like I was washing my hands and like she was complaining about her hair and then I was like nah girl and and you know like we just became friends that way and then I think she complimented me on my hair mm-hmm. um and so like that's the thing is like you you know because when it's like you're never gonna you like you don't look at the other girl and be like yeah your pores are huge or whatever you're like no girl are you kidding like you're your this is great my whatever whatever so it's yeah. like it's like you're building up your other friend, but you're also like commiserating at the same time. So it's like, yeah, I because th- I I did it and I have done it, and sometimes I still catch myself wanting wanting to do that. Like, but now I um you know I just keep it to like the building up part, like giving them the compliment, but not not also adding on like yeah I hate this about myself too. Um, but yeah, I I remember with both of those friends. Unfortunately, like I tried to, I noticed that we would be doing that a lot. That was something that we would, it was, it was so almost like daily in our friendship, um, as, and as roommates, I guess, Mm. where like, you know, it was something that we just talked about so commonly was criticizing our, our own bodies because we'd be talking about like how we wanted to look and like our goals or like, you know, we would work out together or things like that. So it was something that just came up a lot. And so it's like, and, and at some point I think uh, I introduced the idea and then, like, each of them was like, yeah, no, totally, we should stop doing this. Yeah, I agree, let's, let's stop. Because cause I was like, you know, we shouldn't keep, we, we should actually not be doing this. Like, we should not be talking about our bodies this way. And, like, next time I hear you hate on your body, I'm going to be like, hey, stop it. And I'm not going to, like, feed into it by, like, criticizing. Like, I'm, I was trying to be like, hey, we got to stop doing this to each other. Because, like, yeah, it's something that we, like, you know, we talk about it a lot. And it's, like, part of, like, how we're friends. But also, we should just, like, build each other up without all of this, you know, like, perpetuating and enabling one another's, you know, hatred. It's like, we're not, why are we even, like, saying the compliments of saying, like, no, 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 you, you this and you that. And, and you this body part of yours is amazing. Why are you critiquing it? if we're just going to, like, continue that pattern. I don't know, continue enabling it. And unfortunately, um, like, both of my friends, like, they, at the time, they were like, yeah, you're right, of course, we, yeah, let's, let's stop fucking doing this, because empowerment and girl power and, like, love, and, like, yes, of course, we want to love ourselves. But unfortunately, like, it never stuck. Mm. And then they, they would, like, continue saying those very, like, self-hatred, self-hating things about their bodies, and I would try to, like, be like, hey, I thought we weren't doing that anymore. And, unfortunately, it just, like, never, like, caught on. But, um, I, I am, I mean, it didn't, like, that, that in itself wasn't, like, you know, made us not friends anymore. Because I'm still friends with both of them. But it yeah. was just unfortunate, you know? It was unfortunate that, like, you know, that we weren't able to, like, help each other be accountable mm. in that way. When I feel like that was an opportunity. Um, yeah. And it's something that you know, is a huge conversation that we're going to continue because... Oh, yeah. But I did want to briefly touch on, yeah, body issues, but... The self-hatred conditioning. Self-hatred conditioning. Because that is part of this. Yeah. Um, it is definitely part of the we're stigma. We're conditioned to think our bodies are bad. And the controlling... Temp- temp- temptatious, tempting. Yeah. Like, that our bodies, just by existing, are... I mean, I literally was just saying a minute ago how, like, 
I've received so many messages about just, like, the fact that I, as a woman, being over a certain height exist is an affront and an offense and therefore a bad thing. Uh, And from men's eyes, like, so... um, And that's just one kind of, you know, way of, of presenting as a female form. But, yeah, it's like our bodies in and of themselves are so often when it comes to... Um, patriarchal language and absolutely, you know, Christian conservative languages, um, our bodies are talked about as these things that just lure, that it's, it's like they entrance men and then the men are no longer responsible for how they react, that our bodies are just like, you know, tempting and luring without, Mm -hmm. without, you know, whether we, oftentimes we're perceived to be like doing it on purpose, but you know. Yeah. So I do want to move on, um, and just to, cause I hit, want to hit a couple of points that I wrote down during, mm-hmm. um, but as I said earlier, this book was really meant to be an interaction with her parishioners. So it's coming from a very pastoral point of view, not necessarily, she's, she's like, I'm not a sex therapist, I'm not a Bible scholar, not, you know, an expert at all. It's just like. And one of the things I appreciate about her pastoral style is that she is, uh, and she she talked about actually working from actual reality. Yeah. She's like, I'm kind of obsessed with the actual reality that we live in, not this idealized reality that we would like to create and then kind of push everybody into. But like, let's work with what we actually have. Let's work with what is actually real actual reality act up fight fight aids AIDS. (laughs) exactly that's what i thought of too and like you said earlier something about like you know when you actually believe people when actually believe their stories and their experiences you actually Mm -hmm. can that is when compassion yep can actually penetrate through believe people believe people and also realize that we're not that different Mm -hmm. you know that the things she said she um i wrote down she said that self-righteousness feels good for a minute like peeing in your pants will feel warm for a minute (laughs) and that we have go back to the episode on enuresis for for first-hand accounts first-hand account from me yeah um and that it feels good (laughs) When you can point to somebody else and say, you like to know who you're better than. Yeah. We like to be able to like, well, I'm better than that Mm -hmm. guy. I'm better than that girl Mm -hmm. who is doing all these things. It feels real good for a second. You hear my hip pop? Yeah. That was good. That felt real good. That felt real good. I need to do that too. Oh, there goes the other one. And Christians are, that's, you know, like... Well, that's how purity yeah. culture has come to exist. It's like, well, at least I'm at least I know I'm a Christian. So if nothing else, if if, if I don't feel good about anything else about myself, at least I know I'm not going to hell. So at least I can feel better than anyone else who's not. Yeah, and and she added in, and literally, I was writing this word down when she said it. I wrote down the word scapegoat mm-hmm. right as she said mm-hmm. it, because I was like, ah, yes. We want a scapegoat. I remember seeing, remember in, in uh, the church we went to growing up, I think that one, there was like a conference kind of room. They had like photos hanging up on the wall and they had like things written. It was like a cartoony kind of thing, but there was like writing. I remember one of them said scapegoat. Oh. Do you remember? No, I don't remember this. Sorry. At Faith? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, and... Maybe another time we'll talk about Rene Girard and um, James Allison and uh, first name sounds familiar. Scapegoat theology. It just it, there's there's a you know a lot of great theology um, on basic on scapegoating. <laughs> We're not going to talk about that right now, but this touches right on, and that is really the opposite of compassion. You know, that when we see, like, the people who were accusing and we're like, oh, yeah, I do the same thing, then there is, when we actually see each other as human, yeah, then the opportunity for compassion. Yeah. And I also wanted to touch on one thing else, she, uh, another thing she said 
um, we had a great, there was a Q&A or Q&O as she called it. And um, the word safe space was brought up. The, uh, there was a girl who had a question about not yeah, what's the being o stand for? questions and opinions. Hint. She's like, I don't have a lot of opinion. I don't have a lot of answers, but I have a lot of opinions. I'm like, cool girl. I cool. Like um, we had a wonderful question come up from a girl who, um, I don't know quite the story, but, you know, is no longer involved in the church and, um, Actually, no, where it was never made. We may need to edit this down. We had a question come from somebody about creating safe spaces to talk about this. And I like that Nadia said, listen, we talk about safe space a lot. It's kind of a big buzzword right now, mm -hmm. safe space. Mm -hmm. We use it. We talk about it. Oh, yeah. And she was like, you know what we need? We need brave spaces. Mm -hmm. Because I think the idea is that we would like to create this little bubble or room or little space that will invite people in to tell their stories and yeah. share their stories. And that's a great idea. I love that. But maybe we need brave spaces. And that's like women like you and me coming out and saying, I struggle with anxiety or you know, I wet my bed. Yeah. Yeah. It is creating, it is saying, I'm going to be shameless about the things yeah. that I have shame for. And I refuse to let those have any more power mm -hmm. or any more say in my life. Um, Oh, I wrote down, the shame is theirs, not mine. Yeah. The shame is on the people or on the things that cause that. It's not on us. And I wish we could all come away with that rightness, with putting shame in the box that it needs to be in. Part of that is creating brave spaces. Yeah, it takes bravery to speak up and say either like, hey, this is not okay, or hey, I, I don't understand, or like, hey, something is a problem. And the good thing is often when you, when someone does that, like, a lot of times you find out other people are having a problem too. Yeah. And it's like, oh shit, well, good thing that someone said that, because if, if no one, like, if, if that person hadn't spoken up, then probably none of those other people would have. And we see that happening in so many different, look in at me so too. So many different So many areas. different areas. And, Sorry. Ah, oh, man. Just, if, I don't even know if you want to go into that at all. Probably not, but. I, just, I mean, on micro examples, I think about, like, I was in yoga class today and, like, not today, but other times in yoga class, you know, I'll sometimes feel like, oh, I'm really bad at this or I'm really weak or I just, whatever, because I'm having a hard time getting something or I yeah. feel like my body's not doing something the way it looks like it should be according to what they're doing. And I get really frustrated and, and like sometimes I'll feel like I can't speak up or I can't ask a question because I don't want to, I feel like it's yoga and it should be all quiet and peaceful, first of all, so I don't, I feel like I shouldn't disturb. And then second of all, it's like, you know, I don't want to be the one who's who's having the problem, who who's having a hard time doing it or whatever. But then the good thing is, sometimes when you speak up and you say, hey, wait, you know, where is this, where's my foot supposed to be? Yeah. What's my foot supposed to be doing? Then then other people are like, yeah, yeah, what's that about? You know, and yeah. then you find out like, oh, they're, oh, okay, good. I'm not the only one. And it's like, oh, fuck. Because it's, it's that, it's that, it's like beforehand, it's all that fear. And like, yeah, that's such a tiny little micro example of like, you know, but in a classroom setting. like It's exactly, like here's the thing. The Charm School book, it's like how to, how to cultivate, it literally is like how to cultivate a quiet spirit. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is right now blowing my mind. And the fact that women were told should be quiet mm -hmm. this is a message and it's literally just one verse in yeah. the bible one verse tells women to yeah. be quiet in one context it, it's in, a in letter. one time in was, one letter and also it was paul yeah so like let's we have to take paul for everything he was and everything he wasn't and he was, and he was not a, dude. a feminist well, it, not yeah. the, I mean, who was a feminist in that time? Exactly. It, it Besides was, Jesus. Did, Jesus was a feminist. 
But we have one verse in the Bible that tells women to be quiet. And we have literally constructed mm-hmm. an entire ethic. A culture. A I culture around women being quiet. And then when women have decided, no, I'm not going to be quiet anymore mm-hmm. about, about things as tiny as like, hey, I'm having a problem in this one little thing towards to all the way to yeah i was sexually assaulted and you're and and you're uh testifying in front of the the committee that's going to confirm the supreme court nominee i mean yeah it's just the craziest thing yep. how visceral the reaction is when mm-hmm. women refuse to be quiet oh yeah and just i the language and the reaction mm-hmm. from men, especially, and mm-hmm. I, I, I hate to go into all of this, but I'm, it's literally blowing my mind right now that this is something that we have been taught and has been ingrained in us, mm-hmm. and that when we go against it, people get mad yes. at women yep. for speaking up, yep. for speaking their truth. And whether that's like, you know, just it doesn't have to be necessarily verbal or like vocal uh, but like you know voicing your opinion in one way or another um to literally just like literally speaking like literally making sound come out of your mouth yeah it it can range from you know just like communicating and using your voice in your in a strong and opinionated way in the way you communicate but all the way up to just like literally the the way your your voice sounds coming out of your mouth yeah um i had the, the church that I used to work at, where I was um, doing the, uh, operating the light board, the, what's it, like, he was like the production manager kind of guy, um, so he, he wasn't like the person, because I was like an independent contractor, so it's not like I had a boss, but like, he was the guy, the guy who I reported to, he was like his boss. Sure. And so, there was a time, and, and it's like, I'm there every weekend, and like, the, the, my guy who I would kind of like work with was over on the stage and I'm in the booth and this is a big church. There's quite a big distance. And so the, you know, the guy, he's like, he yells something to me to get me to like check something or do something. And I didn't hear what he said. So I yell back, what? And he had turned or someone had started speaking to him or he had turned around. So he didn't see that I was answering him yelling at me. So I said it again, just like, what? And so the manager guy is right next to me, and I guess that he found it offensive to his ears the way that I was projecting with my soprano voice, um, my very sort of brassy soprano voice that probably didn't sound that great at the time. But you know, he he turns to me and he's just like, "You may, maybe maybe you just wait till he comes back over here to find out what he wanted to say to you," and it didn't even. I was just like. So like taken aback mm. so that it didn't even occur to me I had to like think about it for like a minute before it even occurred to me to 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 respond to him to say um he was yelling at me first maybe if you're gonna tell someone not to shout maybe it should be the one who initiated the shout anyway and then uh as we were we had like gone to the green room to eat and then we were walking back in the sanctuary to the booth and the manager guy yells to someone on the stage as we're walking, and I'm, like, in front of him, so I'm, like, <laughs> and I just, like, am walking back to the booth, and he's behind me, and he's, like, oh, Lydia, you know, I just realized that I just did the same thing that I just got on you for, for doing a minute ago, and I'm, like, uh-huh. yep, and he's, like, sorry about that, and I'm, like, yep, <laughs> anyway, I don't work there anymore, um, yeah. Also, I was going to say, the book Rage Becomes Her by Soraya Shamali. I'm afraid yeah. I, I don't know if I'm saying her name right, but um, that we, we did that book for my, my feminist reading group that I'm in, and I also had the privilege of seeing her at Brazos Bookstore last week. She came to Houston as well. If you guys couldn't tell, we love feminist authors. We love them. Um, <laughs> we love women, women authors. Um, well, I don't know about Soraya Shamali, but... Um, so her whole book, Rage Becomes Her, is all about women's anger and about how it's controlled, how it's perceived, how it's um, misunderstood, how it's not allowed, just all of that. And there's definitely a, a, a whole section where she really talks about, like, how we use our voice 
and just like she talks about how um, Hillary Clinton, among among so many other women who have been attacked and you know berated in the public eye for things just like their appearance or their voice or stuff like that. But she she does mention specifically how like you know Hillary Clinton during the election time was so often per, um, described as shrill. Bless yeah. you, Macy. Yeah, she was so often described as shrill, and all of these other things. And it was, like, just making those comparisons of, like, the way she, like, objectively the way she was speaking, bless you, Macy, versus, like, a man objectively speaking the same way, but then, like, looking at how they were described. Like, the woman was speaking, a man and a woman speaking with the same kind of, like, confidence and, like, forcefulness, rather, and the woman is described as, like, aggressive and, like, overbearing or whatever, or, like, shrill, or, like, she's she's irrational because she's all emotional wherever. Whereas the man is described as confident and just passionate and, you know, um, what's the word? Like, uh, you charismatic. know. Charismatic. Charismatic, um, filled with, like, just, what's the word? Like, um, um, yeah, just, like, impassioned, I guess. Um, but, yeah, like, there's definitely, there's so much criticism on um, female voices, you know, and, and, like, the way they're described and things like that. Um, or even a preference for, like, lower gravelly toned female voices yeah. over higher, you know, whatever. I don't know, higher pitched ones for whatever reason. Um, I don't know. It, but it's definitely, it's, it's interesting when you really look at um, just the way that women's just whether it's like literally our voices and and how they're described or whether it's just how we use our voices being attacked or trying to be controlled yeah tired. yeah i feel you yeah but um we're gonna have we'll provide links to both Mm -hmm. um shameless and rage becomes her as well as um the for the love podcast episode with Mm-hmm. Uh, Jen Hatmaker and Hillary McBride for you guys if you're interested in checking that out um, on, if you have read this book or either of these books we'd love to know what you thought of them if you have read The Christian Charm School <laughs> if, if this is a remnant from your past mm-hmm. please let us know I am so happy I found my copy and had Nadia sign it she signed this is bullshit <laughs> on it and I I just um mm-hmm. so glad we were able I was able to come in and do this and that we could record together. So do you have any um other like just highlights like your favorite moment from Oh from yes I do. Nadia? Um right towards the end she brought up female pleasure and and I she said consider the humble clitoris <laughs> unlike the peanut <laughs> Unlike the penis, which is a multitasker. And then as soon as she said, as a multitasker, I just kind of was like, and not even a great one. (laughs) Just a multitasker. (laughs) It's not even a great multitasker. (laughs) Like, it can only do one thing at one time. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I'm like, how is it a multi... Like, is it because it can pee and ejaculate? It can pee and fuck. I don't know. Or is it like it think two different areas can be stimulated at the same time during penile penetration? I'm wondering. I don't know. Maybe both. It's a good. It's interesting. Interesting. Interesting um, to think about. But the humble. But but really. The humble clitoris the, is the consider point. Consider the humble clitoris, <laughs> which is created solely for pleasure. There's a lovely rhythm in that saying. Yeah. Consider, consider the, the humble, humble clitoris. clitoris. I think we should get that on t-shirts. <laughs> Or yes. I want some like Hobby Lobby quality wall art. <laughs> uh, I have a friend who does lettering. Yeah, like consider nice the humble clitoris. I think that that'd be a good one. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. may just but it was great. Uh, we danced. <laughs> she gave us a wonderful benediction, and then we danced to Prince. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and I've got to say, the signing portion, like, I was prepared to be there for, like, a whole nother hour mm. waiting to get my books. I was prepared. Yeah, I was surprised that, that you were already on your way. I know. But, no, they were so efficient at this church. 
they were like, okay, line up, line starts here, and then they're, and they there put are the two book, girls the books up for you. coming down, like, yeah. be like, what's your name, yeah. writing it on the post-it, turning it to the cover, turning it to the title page, and they're like, have your books open with your post-its, and mm-hmm. it was so, I was like, man, this is way faster than the last yeah. book signing I went to that I was just a cattle call. <laughs> I think um, that's how they do it at Brazos Bookstore. You know, I was like, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed, you guys. I had a good time. Um, you know, I honestly, I do kind of get a kick out of when they keep things going on time, but you're still getting, like, good quality yeah. shit. When you're like, wow, this is good. We're still running on time. This yeah. is amazing. <laughs> I, I, It's just, like, the best of both worlds yeah. for me. Because, like, when it's something that you're really enjoying, but it's, like, running a little bit late, you're just, like, you're, you're not, you, you're not pleased about it until it starts. But yeah. then once it starts, you're, like, um, this is great. Yeah, I don't this care is great. If it runs late I'm so glad I'm here. Yeah. It's true. Um, so, I gotta say, this was a treat. Um, <laughs> I do want to add, I just feel like, personally, when I read this book and, uh, was working, you know, listened to it and everything... You know, and I thought about that circle that she talked about, and I thought about my own story and just like, and asking the question, I'm still asking myself this question right now. I'm still asking, did that actually work for me? Which thing? Ab- the purity, not just purity culture, but did abstinence uh, work for me? What is... What, how do you know if it's worked? I don't know. That's the thing. I'm still trying to figure out if it yeah. worked for me. Because I can honestly say that in some ways, yes. Um, you know, I have not had a lot of serious relationships. And I don't have a lot of experience. And, you know, I, for the most part, I've stayed pretty abstinent while just kind of tiptoeing occasionally. And... Those have been, some of that has been fun. Some of it was not fun. But by and large, actually, I'll say personally, it's been a great way for me to reclaim my sexuality. It's been a great way to say, this is mine. Mm. Nobody else can have it. But I know that's not everybody's story. But in order for the, 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 the message that I got in my teen years for it to really make sense to me for it to really be mine I had to kind of take it for myself and say this is what it means to me and and I'm no longer gonna follow these rules to follow these rules it's on your terms now. it it has to be on my terms it Mm -hmm. absolutely has to be I'm 31 years old um I know I want to be married I know I want to have children it absolutely has to be on my terms now. Mm-hmm. There's no way it won't be. There's no way it can't be. There's so much less bullshit that I will put up with. Ten years ago, dating, I would have put up with so much stuff for the person, for the quote-unquote right person. Now it's like that list has mm. shrunk. There's so many things that I'm like, no, I do not have time for certain stuff certain types of men it's like if you're you know still trying to figure out if you want kids or not i'm sorry thank you next uh if you're trying to figure out um you know gosh i don't even know what to go to next but if if you're trying to figure out whether you want to live in uh, you know, Austin or Dubai, if you want to travel around. It's just like, there's so many things that's like, I, I don't have time for that right now. Good luck on your search. Um, you know, if you're just wanting a casual relationship because you're willing to take love in whatever form you get, it's like, I'm willing for, I, I you know, willing equally willing to accept love in the form of a one night stand versus love in the form of a committed relationship okay we don't have time for each other Mm. right now because i know the type of love that i'm looking for and it really has always been Mm -hmm. that long haul committed brand of love and anything less than that is not worth 
yeah. me giving my time, let alone my bed to. Yeah. And it's when you get to that place of like, I'm not going to judge anyone else if yeah. that's if that's what they want for their life if, if they want something different then that's great but it's it's very empowering to like to know what it what it is that you want what it is that you are gonna like what you what you want for yourself and your relationship for the future and being able to see like I, I know what I want and I'm going to like hold to that and so even if this is great and that's great but if you know that you don't want this thing that I want then like okay you know exactly yeah well what are you gonna do um it is what it is and you know i i'm still kind of working through this question of just how how purity culture impacted me and i'm sure we could talk more about this at another time how did purity culture really Mm. did it did did it actually help or did it did it hurt or help or (laughs) both purity culture it's a hell of a drug i mean i think it does i think it's both i think it's I don't it, think it helps. <laughs> I don't think it helps in general either. I think it it's like a band-aid on top of a water dam. You know, I think I think it's more of a uh, pouring pouring acid on a plant instead of pouring water on it. So, if you're able to catch Nadia Boltzweber on her book tour, um, check out her website. All of the book dates are there. Um, obviously check this out on, I bought my copy on Amazon. I'm sure you can find a copy there as well. Um, so we just are thankful for that and we'll, we'll put up more show notes Mm -hmm. in, uh, in this post and, Mm -hmm. uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Join our discussions. Tell us all about your purity culture, charm school experiences growing up, whether, uh, if you had Christian brainwashing to that degree as well or whether it was just good old non-denominational brainwashing or or whether you were free of that or if you had a completely different experience share that with us as well we want to know we want to hear what that is like what it might be like to like be raised to to actually love yourself and think that your body is a good thing yeah (laughs) let us know let us know in the comments (laughs) we're gonna crack our hips for you oh that is good So we'll be back later with more good talks for you. And stay tuned for the episode that will be coming out next weekend to hear my discussion with Bethany and Matt of We Didn't Ask for This Podcast, where we talk about the law of attraction and mental health and how it's not that simple. So stay on the lookout for that. You can reach out to us on Instagram at WTOF Podcast. You can reach us on Twitter at We Turned Out Fine. You can go to our website, WeTurnedOutFine.com. Or email us at weturnedoutfine at gmail.com. And in the end, we turned out just just fine. fine.